I know a number of you are business owners, so you do not need to tell us that running a business is tough. I know this. We know this. But you might be making it tougher on yourself than it has to be. Don't let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It is time to upgrade to NetSuite. Why are you paying for multiple systems that do not give you the information you need when you need it? Ditch those spreadsheets and that old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. It is the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, your HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Like it's everything you need all in one place instantaneously. So whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, you can save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 21,000 companies that are currently using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash roam. Schedule your free product tour right now. It's at netsuite.com dot com slash r-o-m-e that's netsuite.com slash rome i really want to drive the car but i need somebody to start this car who started the car when i deep the lineman his name was gabe he knew about the car and he was like man it's a badass car like i ain't no about the car you know he knew about the car he's like man i love these cars like i like started up then yeah let me love Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to episode 149 of the original Side Hustle, the Jim Rome podcast. This week, my guest is one of the newest members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's also a four-time Pro Bowler, a South Florida legend, a fiercely proud alumnus of the U. He is Edgerin James, the Edge. Can't tell you how hyped I was for this conversation, both to relive some of the glory days of his career and to hear what he's been up to as a father who is on his way to Canton, Ohio. Edge lives up to all the hype. In fact, he smashes it. Let's get right to it. Episode 149 with Edgerin James hits you right now. Edge, you, it's so good to run you down. You and I have not spoken in a moment or so. It's great to run you down. Let me start with this. You wrote a great piece for the Players' Tribune recently, and I love the way, Edge, when you started the piece, you write, quote, I came out of the womb with a gold teeth mentality. It's such a great line to me. What does that mean to you, a gold teeth mentality? Man, you are who you are, man. You know, you put yourself in a certain situation. You understand who you are. And you don't really change for nobody else. You know, you're doing what you have to do, and it's not not focused on nobody else. You know, and you shine in your own world. So you are who you are, and you're from where you're from. So let me start right there. You're from Immokalee, South Florida. I'm curious, what was it like growing up there? And also, you write, it's like you get it out the mud. What's it mean to get it out the mud? Well, it's the same thing as somebody said, get it off the muscles. Like, nothing's given. You know, we never had nobody give us anything. We never expected anything. And I knew I could, didn't have nobody to turn to or lean on. So it's one of those things that we have to get it. We have to make it if we want to make it. You know, we don't have somebody that's come and give us anything. You know, a lot of places you go, they have people that do things for them or put them in better positions. Any position that we got, it was pretty much created. You know, it's something because you also write that football was easy for me. I'm not going to lie to you. It ain't a complicated game. It's just work. I realized it like, wait a minute, you're telling me all I got to do is outwork this man across from me, that's it? Shit, game over then. 
You know, so when it comes to excelling in the game, and you made it to the very top, you made it to the Hall of Fame, how much of an edge is about pure talent and ability, and how much of it is just about grind and want to? I, I don't know the percentage, but majority is about the grind and want to. You know, if, if you can catch, you can catch. You know, if you can run, you can run. They do all those things in the testing. But the great ones, they take that stuff to a whole nother level by the way they do it, you know, how they go about doing it. You know, and you see a lot of people that have way more talent than others, but it's that mentality. It's the way they grind, the way they sit up there and they look at the other opponent and they say, hey, you're not going to beat me. And I, I took every position that I've, that I played, and every time I was on there, it was always about me doing what I'm supposed to do no matter what, no matter the play, no matter the situation. As long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and I can look on those films and see that, hey, I beat my man, I took care of my responsibility, everything else usually works itself out. See, now the thing is, you figured a lot of this out at a pretty young age, maybe because you had to, but you also mentioned that you had a so-called cheat code in high school when it came to football. What was your cheat code? I used to always outwork everybody. You know, it's like, if 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 I know everybody, if everybody just do does what the coach tell you to do or what somebody forces them to do, so what I realize is like, man, you know, if I go and I outwork everybody, I'm in better shape than everybody. I'm in better condition than everybody. When they're getting tired, I'm just getting started, you know. So that was always my advantage, and I've always took, taken that very serious. You know, I took that super serious. So I would always outwork everybody from high school all the way up because you realize that. You know, if we're doing the same thing, we're getting the same treatment, we're getting the same kind of training, you know, we, I'm not separating myself. So in order for you to separate yourself, you have to do it yourself. You know, you don't need somebody to make you do it. So in other words, the separation was in the time that you were putting in. I mean, lay that out for me. Like, were you doing, you were getting work in before school, right? You were getting workouts in before you even went to school. Did you tell anybody you did that? Nah, because it's like when you, when you, when you start telling people what you're doing, they're either going to they're going to tell you why not, why you shouldn't be doing it, or they're going to start trying to do it. You know, so it's like, hey, it's just me doing what I do, and I always wanted, I always felt better. When I work out by myself, I push myself. I talk to myself, and I sit up there, and, and I go over these things over and over by myself because that's who you're really competing with. Other people try to compete with each other. You know, as long as you improve every day or you improve yourself, no telling where you can go at with with, with um, your talent. See, that's the whole thing. It's you versus you. And again, you figured that out at a pretty early age. Now, if you're doing that type of thing in high school, I could see where that might create some separation. And it did. It got you to the U. But when you get to the NFL, then how do you create that separation? Then you're going up against the ultimate alphas, the best of the best. What's the cheat code then for the NFL? The cheat code is discipline. You know, because, you know, a lot of times everybody's goal is to get to the NFL. And your goal has to be bigger than that. Your goal has to become a Hall of Famer, to become a pro bowler, become one of the top players. And that was always my goal, to become one of the guys that's going to end up one of those gold jackets. So it's like getting to the NFL, it does a lot for you. But I don't want to just be there. You know, I wanted to really, like, like put my place or set my, uh, put my stamp on the game. And so that was, that's what it's really about. The NFL comes down to discipline because you have more temptations than ever. You know, now you have the freedom, you have the money, you have – you feel like you've attained the thing that you've always set out to do, but you have to you have to aim higher than that. I was going to say, Edge, if you didn't have very much growing up and you put in the time and then suddenly you're a young guy and you have a lot, how were you able to steer clear of that when so many guys were not able to do so? I think it, just, it comes down to discipline. It comes down to your priorities. You know, like for me, I, you know, I feel like I'm my mom's, my mom's, 
my mom's blessing, you know, she, you, you have a praying woman, and you don't want to mess up something a person prayed for. They pray to come out of a certain situation, and you never know which child or which thing you do is going to be the one. And I always felt like, you know, hey, I'm my mama's prayer, you know. I'm the one that, that her, her, her prayers are answered through me. And so it's like I can't mess that up. And so you make sure you hold yourself accountable. You make sure that I'm going to do what I have to do to not put myself in those situations. And, you know, if you look at the history of the game, you know, it's the same story no matter how many times you put it in front of everybody. But it takes the player to take the initiative and say, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not going back. And I, I'm not going back to where I come from. And if that's the driving force, that's where that discipline comes in at. Right. Now, you mentioned your mom. You said also that first paycheck, that first NFL paycheck, more than anything else, what that did was it allowed you and your mom both to take a deep breath. How so? And then what did that feel like to finally, after all that time, take that deep breath? Well, you know, it was, it was kind of, it's like you get, it goes in phases. You know, it goes in phases. You get invited to the combine, you know, that you're getting a step closer. And then all of a sudden, draft days come you get a step closer, and then you got, I get drafted, right? But I still don't have the money, you know? And so if something happens to me, I don't know what will happen. If something happens to me while I'm a drafted player and I haven't gotten the money, we still were, we, we still where, we, where we were at all the, all the other times, you know? And so for me, it's like, man, then I end up holding out. You know, everybody else signed. You know, that was one of the hardest things to do, but you had to do what was right. You know, it was a, you know, I had a, the contract situation was a little tricky because of, you know, the a player behind me that signed a deal and they wanted me to sign a certain deal. And so it's one of those things where you say, man, damn, do I, do I sign this deal now just so I can secure the bag or do I do what's right for the game and do what's right for my position and, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, hold, hold your position. And so it's like you're going through all this and then all of a sudden, August 12th, we show up. Go to camp, go to camp, you get that check. And now it's like, now it's real. You know, until then, it was like, they had me where I was. I was like, man, I'm not going to the club. I'm not going nowhere because if something happens, I'm going to fuck up the whole situation, you know, just by being stupid, you know. And so I wouldn't even go nowhere during my whole day. All I did was work out. I would call. I talked to Peyton a lot. I talked to everybody on the offense. But I still was holding out because I was like, man, I'm right there, but I don't want to get right there and then don't finish the job. And once I got that, once I signed that deal, it's like, now this shit real now. You know, like, we really got some money, you know. We really have money in our account, you know. And that's, that's where that sign of relief comes from. You know, you're like, damn, we, we really got some money now. And now it's up to me to make sure we always have some money. God, dude, that, that is amazing the way you just laid that out and the type of things that you were dealing with and what you had to focus on. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, clones, make sure you ask for it by name because no no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef?
you were the guy. Like, there were so many people in the family, maybe. You tell me otherwise. Were, did you feel a certain burden and a certain pressure that I'm responsible for not just myself, but for a lot of people within my family? I can change the future of a lot of people, the entire generation, in fact. Did you feel a pressure, or did you like that responsibility? Did you want that on your shoulders? I think I, you feel like it's a calling. You know, you feel like, man, <laughs> I didn't ask for this position. You know, but sometimes you put in a position that you have to really accept it. You know, it's like I didn't ask to be the boss of the family or whatever, but I said, man, you know what? I'm playing a game that the game was never hard. I like basketball. I always wanted to be a basketball player, you know, but I was never, I wasn't good enough. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying, but I mean that's that's twice now, Ed. You've said that that man, the game's not that hard. The game's really not that hard. I think the rest of us look at football. It looks pretty fucking complicated. Is it really not that hard? It's not, man. I'm talking about. It's like you can look at a game. You know exactly what everybody's about to do. Like when I watch games now, you can say, okay, yeah. If it's third and three, you know they're gonna the team's gonna blitz and they're gonna try to force you hot and they're gonna try to force the play so they can tackle you right at the one yard short. You know, it's the same thing happens over and over. You know, the game doesn't change. It might be a trick play here and there, but the game doesn't change. And it comes down to who the baddest motherfuckers on the field and who's on their stuff, you know. Who's going to jump outside? Who's been doing their homework? You know, who's been taking off? And you can always look at You can say, okay, yeah, these guys are getting hurt because they didn't train the right way. These guys, you know, they don't know what's going on. They don't know the situation of the game. So you see all the things, the mistakes that are made, they'll repeat things. And if they get a chance to do it again, it's, oh, dang, I forgot, you know. But if I get a chance to do it again, I, and a lot of times you don't get a second chance. That's why you have to prepare, you have to practice, and you have to do all the things that it takes to be one of the greats. And once you do it, you see this, man, the game is a kiddie game, man. It just comes down to knowing what you're supposed to do. It's like you're supposed to train. Okay, everybody goes train. You train, you take care of your body. If you don't take care of your body, you're most likely not going to be a healthy player, you know. That's not complicated, is it? No, you got to do the work. I understand what you're saying. You got to put in the time. You have to do the work, and there's separation in that. Now, like when I watch the NFL, it seems to me y'all are just a different breed. Like if you get to that level, you're a different breed of cat. You're all, quote, bad motherfuckers, it seems to me, for all of us who've never played the game, much less at that level. But if you're looking for a separation, if you're talking about, quote, a bad motherfucker, like who, when you look back over your career, who are the baddest guys? Give me a couple of guys either you went, you played with or up against that separated themselves from everybody else in terms of how bad and how tough they were. Guys that you really respected. Man, all, all my guys come from the University of Miami. Right, you. Know? you. And that's like, I, like we... We committed to each other. So when it's come to somebody else, you respect somebody else, but you know the grit, the grind, you know how hard those practices were. And that's where you really get to recognize those dudes that's really bad, you know, those guys that's really out there doing what they're supposed to do because they do it in practice. You know, they do it in practice, and they do it day in, day out when nobody's watching. You know, those are the guys that I always like to be surrounded by, and that's what our school developed, and that's the thing that we were known for. So my offseason – where some serious offseason with serious competition. And that's what I always embrace because when you go back to when you go back to your job, you're like, okay, yeah, we we've been doing this, you know, and we just don't want to never lose this mentality. I mean we're talking about guys that were five star guys all over the field at you, Reggie Wayne, Santana Moss, Ed Reed, et cetera, et cetera. So I can imagine how tough those practices were. You've also made the point that look, I don't care what anybody says, the U is just different. The U is different than every other school. Lay that out for me. How is it different? Different in what regard? Well, 
because when when you when you come to the University of Miami, it's not you don't get your typical college atmosphere. You know, it's a small it's a small tight knit group. You know, and it's one of those things where it's like we don't get a chance to experience all those college lifestyle things. You know, we're there for our job. You know, we're there to, to, to handle our business, and we're about our sport. You know, it's like you don't see guys that they're in this fraternity and they play football and this and that. Man, your fraternity is, fo- is, is football, you know, and that's where it's like little things like that. And so to be at the University of Miami and be in the city of Miami, that, that takes a lot of discipline because, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's an all-night city. You know, it's one of the cities where everybody comes to have fun. So when I see a guy that makes it at the University of Miami, I say, yeah, he has some discipline about himself or something because I know when you walking around that city and you have you can go to this place or go to that place and it's always fun, but you say, no, nah, I'm going I'm to make sure I go to the weight room. I'm going to make sure I go to class and do what I'm supposed to do. You know, that says a lot about the person because there's, there's no other city in the, in the country that's wide open like us and the school that's right there, you know. We have, to, we have to deal with that day in and day out. And then the type of players that come there, you know, you know when, you got to, you, you know when you're playing with a dog, you know, you're knowing it means something to them. And all that, it's a combination of things. There's so many things that make us different. It's hard to just put one, put, put a finger on one or two things. I get, no, I get that. Let me ask you this then. So, like, if you got to have that focus and you have to have that grit and that grind and that discipline, what's it like then when you're, like, in the heyday at the U and you got, you got like, Trick Daddy after the game. You're rolling around with Trick Daddy around South Beach after a game. How hard was it to maintain a discipline, and what were those times like? Those times were fun, but it's like, you know, that's all that that that's your reward. You know, that's your, you say we go, we go out, we ball out, we have fun. Our day off is truly our day off. You know, we have fun. We do what we're supposed to do. You know, but we you got to represent. You can't get you can't be rolling around partying and kicking it, and you're not taking care of your business. You're always gonna take care of your business. And then, and the thing about the guys around the city, they're not going to let you do nothing wrong. They're not going to be saying, hey, here, take this joint. Hey, come, do this right. They're not going to say, no, nah, no, nah, we need you. We need you. you. You for the community. You for the people. You got to be an example. You know, and that's the thing about it. You have all those dudes pulling for you. And when you go somewhere, they're going to make sure you're never in harm's way. You know, they're going to make sure so you can show the kids that, hey, man, this kid come right where you come from and look at him. He, this is where he's at. And it's, and it's a pipeline of that. So the city and everybody in the city, they, they, they welcome you with open arms, and they're going to protect you. They're going to make sure you're not doing things that's wrong. They're going to make sure you're not putting yourself in harm's way. And when you have a group like that, that says a lot, you know, because some people, they're, they're trying to persuade you to do all type of other stuff for their personal gain. But when you run into the good people, they're going to make sure, hey, we need you. We need you to be an example for the, for the youth. And you embrace that position. You know, it kind of goes back to Edge, what you're talking about, like being about your business. You were always about your business, even from a very early age. You also said that Peyton, who you mentioned, was the undisputed heavyweight champion of being about his business. Like, what does that mean? What did that look like? What did he look like as the undisputed champion of being about his business? Man, that, guy was, that guy was always about his craft. And he always taking care of his business. Business was always taking care of him. And, 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 you know, that's one of the things you – it's a difference when you come from an African-American household and you don't have somebody to show you the way, and then you see somebody that comes from a good family 
and they have a father that's been there, and they have a nice family structure, and you say, damn, that, that's pretty tight because he's able to focus on football and doing what he has to do and any endorsement or anything that has to do with with his personal or his business or, or whatever, with his, with his craft. You know, with us, we have to deal with different things. You know, we have to deal with we're the first generation or we're the first person in our family that has some money. We have to deal with all these motherfuckers that ain't have no money that have all these needs and wants. So you see somebody that can just focus on their business and focus on what they have to focus on, man, it's pretty impressive, man. And, and that's one thing you like. I wish I could be like that with my children. You know, I can say, man, you know what? You don't have to worry about dealing with these hanger owners. You don't have to worry about dealing with these bad people. I'm going to make sure you're able to just focus on your business. And that's one thing I've always seen, a person that was committed to their craft, and he was able to just focus on his business and do what he had to do. And you can, I mean, his, his record shows, you know, and that's, that's one thing I always respect about that family and the way they went about it. So when you're talking about, about their business, they're strictly about their business. They don't have to deal with bullshit we got to deal with, you know? Hey, listen, taking nothing away from him or his family, I mean, they've earned everything they have. But at the same time, to your point, you had to deal with a whole lot of other bullshit that maybe he didn't deal with. And then you mentioned your kids. For instance, you've got a daughter in law school. You have another at an HBCU. How much pride do you have in your kids killing it the way they are in their own right? But, and, but that's the thing. It starts somewhere. It has to start somewhere. And for... For me, this is where it starts. It starts with me. You know, with other families, you know, it probably started somewhere. Everybody had to go through something to position themselves or put themselves in that position. And we're just a little bit behind, you know, but we see blueprints and we're like following those blueprints and we're saying, okay, yeah, this is the way you have to do it. And for me, I take a lot of pride in my kids. You know, I want them to be the best that they could possibly be and I want them to be able to do whatever they want to do. And I'm going to support them and I want to put myself in a position to where I can truly support them. You know, I don't want to be where I have to, I got to go to work and can't do these things or can't put them in position. You know, that's, that's one thing that I wanted to break that, that type of generational pattern that we've had. You know, I want to say, you know what, let me show them the right way. Let me show them that anything they want to be, we're going to, we're going to try it. We're going to go at it. My daughter says she wants to be a lawyer. Guess what? She's in law school. My other daughter wants to sing. She's singing. My son wants to play football, he's playing football. My son wants to play basketball, he's playing basketball. You know, so it's being about being able to put yourself in that position and being able to do that, and I take pride in it, and I'm committed to him. I cannot wait to tell you about this new product. The stress of daily life weighs on all of us. Whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. This is why I love Theragun. The handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. And that's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that is so quiet you wonder if it's even on while you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. This product is amazing. 
Listen, you've got to try it. Try Theragun for 30 days, in fact. There is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. It starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash roam right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash R-O-M-E, theragun.com slash roam. This product is incredible. It's extending your legacy edge. I mean, you're known a lot more. I mean, if you get to the Hall of Fame, that's one of the greatest stories ever, especially starting in a small town the way you did. But you're about so much more than that. Now, you you played in a Super Bowl, but you never won one, yet you have a ring. How did you come to get a ring? Um, well, Mr. Ursa, you know, with the relationship, we have, it's, it's one of the things where, you know, because of the business of the game, you have salary caps, you have all those things. So... It's just the nature of the business, but it was it was a progression that was building up. The coach were going to win a Super Bowl eventually. You know, it was always a progression, always figuring these things out. And so happened, it happened the year that I left, but I was always tied to that team. I'm always going to be tied to those teams, and that's my family, you know. And it's like, so the business, business don't come between families. Business don't come between people that you know are there for you. And that's all it is. That's just, that right there is just a reflection of that. So, in other words, what you're telling me is, like, you left the team, and it's just business, and it's not personal, but Jim Irsay said, we would not have won this ring without what you did prior to your leaving to go to Arizona. He gave you a ring even after you left because of what you meant to that franchise. Yeah, and that's my man, you know, and we, man, it is, and it's all about having mutual respect for each other. Everybody know what I've done. You know, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the business side of things, I would have finished my career as a coach. But for me, it's business. When you go into this game, you know it's business. So there should be no surprises when business decisions are made. You know, that doesn't stop or that doesn't have nothing to do with a, a relationship that has been developed from the first time you stepped foot on the football field or once you got into your NFL uniform. You know, it's, you know you're going to business, but sometimes things go beyond business where you, you develop a, a tight relationship with people and that's bigger than business, you know, and that's what it really comes down to. Now, I can tell how much respect and the kind of affinity and affection you have for him. In fact, when you first met him, he started to chat you up about hip-hop. Did he know what he was talking about? Like, what was your first impression of Ursae when you met him? Well, you know, first, I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years old. You know, I wasn't even 21 yet. You know, I got drafted. I was 20 years old. And so, you know, you know I'm, I'm used to being around my crew. You know, I'm used to being around my people. You know, every... We kind of stay in our little circle. And so when I go up, you know, I, I never met a billionaire. I never met somebody that owns something. You know, I never I never encountered any of that, you know. But and so you go into things with preconceived kind of kind of notions of, oh, man, I don't know what it's going to be like. Man, dang, they might be square or they might be this and that. But then when you when you sit up there and you talk to Mr. Ursa, he's into music, he's into all that, you're like, damn, this dude legit, you know. But you don't know all this stuff because – you know, nobody would ever really put those things on display until you start having conversation and getting around people. You know, and once you get around people, you're like, man, you know what, you, you make a judgment for yourself. And I'm like, man, dude, cool as hell, you know. And from from, from day one, it's been, it's been like that. Don't judge a book by its cover. Now, Edge, you went to the Super Bowl with Arizona, and that was a lifetime and a culmination of hard work that went into that. So you wanted to do something special. Prior to that game, you went to the dealership where you had a guy on the floor there, 
And what did you say to that guy at the dealership, and what happened next? I, you know, we're coming, man, I'm, I'm making it to the Super Bowl. Like I always said, if I make it to the Super Bowl, I'm going to do something. You know, I'm going to do something. So I went to the dealership, and I, you know, I'm, I like old school cars, and, you know, I, was, and I always rode like a, a Benz or something. And I was like, man, let me get something that's popping. And so I went to, went to the dealership and went to Lamborghini of Miami. And, you know, I don't really know much about the sports cars. I don't really know much about none of that right there because it wasn't my thing. But I said, hey, give me the baddest shit you got, you know. And he had this white with red interior uh, Lamborghini Mercer Lago. I'm playing for the Cardinals. We red, we white, everything just matched up. And he said, hey, this, and I say, what's the price? And when he said what the price is, I said, all right, cool. And pay for it cash. And I said, man, look, can you drop it off at the hotel? We'll be back in um, two weeks. I'll just have it dropped off at the hotel, and I'll get it there. And that was it. Dude, it, except it wasn't quite it. Like, that that's badass. That is badass that you just kind of paid cash for it. You said, give me the most badass rig you have, and then you stroke a check and you pay cash. The thing about that, Edge, that's a really complicated car, all right? Especially if you're not a sports car dude, if you're more about the old school and the sedans. Like, what happened when you got into that car? And that's, and that's the thing is, like, you know, they got the car in front of the, in front of the hotel. And so, you know, we, we put our bags and stuff. We would come in the hotel, do all that. And they're like, okay, your car is over here. And I'm like, okay, me and, me and a couple of my boys, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to go ride around. We're going to ride around Tampa, you know. And then and everybody started coming out and started coming around. And I'm like, you know, so I'm just jumping in the car. I'm thinking that you put the key in, you turn it, you pull the, you know, pull the gear shift. None of that is there. It's like, what the fuck did I just pay for? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like it's empty in there. You know, it's like it's not much in a car. It's just, it's just a car. It's just a a car with buttons. Nothing, nothing traditional. So I'm I'm sitting there. And I really it's don't, like pad like paddles really and shit, right? Like paddles and shit. Yeah, I, I, yeah. They got the paddles on the steering wheel, and, it, and so I'm looking for the gear shift. I'm looking for it. None of that's there, and so I'm like, damn, what's up? You know, and after sitting there going through this thing over and over, I'm like, fuck this, man. Now, we know how to start this shit, man, because I don't, I don't know. You know, I have no idea, no clue, and, man, let's, let's just stop playing around with it because I really want to drive the car, but I need somebody to start this car. That's incredible, dude. Who started the car? I mean, obviously, you didn't test drive that shit. You just stroked the check and said, drop it off at the hotel. Who started the car? Who knew how to start that car? Hey, one of our defensive linemen, his name was Gabe, and um, he he knew about the car, and he was like, man, it's a badass car. Like, I ain't know shit about the car, you know. <laughs> but he knew about the car. He, he was like, man, I I love these cars. And, like, I like shit. We started up then. Yeah, let, let me love it, you know. Dude, that's amazing. Could he even fit in that car? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he did what he had to do to get in it. I hear you, so, man. It worked out for the most part. So good, Edge. So good. Listen, before you go, and I, man, I appreciate this conversation so much. You made it. You made it in. It took a few ballots, but you got into the Hall of Fame. Did you ever? I mean, at any point, did you think, man, maybe it's not meant to be? Maybe that call ain't coming. Nah, no, nah, I never looked at it like that. It's just a matter of time. It's numbers. It's numbers, and 
once your once your body of work is there, you just wait on your opportunity because man, when you sit back and look at it and say, you say, okay, damn, all these guys in the Hall of Fame, they don't even have the numbers that Edge has. So it's not one of those things where you sit up there and worry about. It. You know, if I was worried about that, I would continue playing. I would continue playing the game. I would say, okay, yeah, I need to get this number or that number. You know, I, I've done enough. You know what I'm saying? I know I've done enough, and it was just a matter of time. Edge, you're, like, you're running on the right kind of fuel. You know what I mean? Like, I, I respect anybody who feels like maybe they've been slighted and they're trying to prove the world wrong. They're running on a different kind of fuel, right? You're, you're not like that, man. You're running on positive fuel, right? Positivity. Where did that come from? Well, that's, just, that's, always, that's the way I've always been. You know, it's like, why, it's like, why be negative? Why sit up there and hold yourself back? You know, it's like, shit, I'm going to move forward regardless. Whether I get in or don't get in, I'm steady moving forward. My day goes on, and, man, I have a blessed life. You know, I can't sit up there and complain. I know people that, that man, things, they got some bad breaks. So I appreciate every day, every opportunity that I have. I'm not going to sit back and, and rain on no party, sit up there and complain about nothing. You know, I don't like to be around people that's complaining because it's pretty much a waste of time. Right? It's like a bunch of excuses, like, I just make whatever happened I'm supposed to have and make it happen. All right, so what about that weekend? The induction ceremony, because of the way the world is right now, got pushed back to next August. Have you thought much about what that weekend's going to be like and what are you looking forward to most? No, it's just a matter of, of going through the process, being able to sit up there and finally, you know, go um, get the jacket. You know, I'm looking forward to my bus. You know, I keep telling them I want my bus to be one, of, you know, one for the ages, you know, because, you know, it's edge. And that's, that's my main thing. October is Fire Prevention Month, and we have teamed up with First Alert, the most trusted brand in fire safety, to help you get prepared for the unexpected and to review some key safety tips. As an example, smoke and carbon monoxide alarms help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. And having enough First Alert smoke and carbon monoxide alarms is one of the best things that you can do for both your home and your family. You want to install alarms on every single level and in every single bedroom of your home. Once those alarms are installed, it is important to maintain them by testing them with regularity. Also, remember this. Alarms do not last forever. They do need to be replaced at least every 10 years. If you cannot remember the last time you replaced yours, it is best to replace the unit completely. As an option, my favorite is First Alert's combination smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a 10-year sealed battery. That way, the alarm provides two-for-one protection against smoke and carbon monoxide, and I don't have to worry about changing the batteries for a decade. For more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at home with your family, just go to firstalert.com slash firepreventionmonth, firstalert.com slash firepreventionmonth. How much pride, and you're talking about the bust, so how much pride do you take in the fact that you never, this is how you and I started this conversation, you have never changed for anybody, you achieved incredible success by being you, and you didn't change the way you look, the way you sound, you didn't change anything, you were always just edge. What does that mean to you? It means a lot because a lot of times, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're growing up a certain way, people come and put these things in your head and say, hey, they're not going to like you if you're like this. They're not going to accept you if you're like this. And so they, they, they kind of poison you or they, they kind of put these things in your mind and, and they're not true. You know, it's like the game is about, you know, who can get out there and play and perform, who can do things the right way. You know, that's what it's about. And I've always said, man, as long as I'm doing things the right way, 
You know, as long as I'm staying out of everybody where I'm not harming nobody, there's no way I'm not going to get what I'm supposed to get, you know. It's just a matter of when I get it. Sometimes, you know, if, if I was trying to apply for a corporate job or something like that, and they may not harm me, but we're talking about the things that I chose to do. I chose to play football. Football has nothing to do with any of that, you know. It's like, long as I long as I do my job, everything else works itself out. Dude, you had the cheat code really quickly. In terms of your job, you were not just a guy who was like, give me the ball, I just want to tote the rock. You were an extremely capable receiver out of the backfield. You were an excellent blocker. How much pride did you take in being able to do all the things that came along with that gig and that mindset? But that's, but that's what it's about. You know, it's, 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 it's step by step about doing what you're supposed to do. You know, if they sit up there and say, hey, I need somebody to catch the ball, guess what? Hey, I'm available. They say, hey, I need somebody that can um, block a linebacker that's bigger than you. Hey, I'm from Hockey League. I went to the U. I'm available. They say, I need somebody to run the ball, you know. Hey, I've been doing that all my life. I'm available. So that was my thing, making sure that I'm available for everything that this game entails, you know. And I always prepare for that. You don't always get credit for the things that you do. But for me, it's like when I – I don't get credit – you're not going to never get enough credit for blocking and taking on those responsibilities. But it had nothing to do with when that linebacker see me sometime, when they see me in the club, they remember me, you know. They remember that, hey, man, damn, you popped my ass. Or, damn, you did this or that. You know what I'm saying? And that's where that personal pride comes in at. And so that's the satisfaction I get out of doing those things because it's not about them. It's about me. When You're not going to see me on the – you're not going to see nobody knocking me on my ass and I'm cool. And it's all fun and games and laughing. Nah, you're going to see me handling my business. And if they get me, I'm getting up going back at them. And that's just the mindset I've always had. Man, I love that. One last thought, Edge. I could ask you about any teammate from the U or even in the NFL. I want to ask you about one dude. One of my favorite NFL players ever was Bob Sanders. I know you only played a couple of years with him. I just thought this dude was so fierce. Like, what do you remember about him as a teammate? And what did you think when you saw that guy flying around making plays the way he did, laying the lumber the way he did at that size? Man, Bob Sanders, man, I'm one of the best to play. I wish injuries didn't didn't do what it did to him because Bob Sanders, he played the game the way it was supposed to be played. Not all that talking, just go and do what you're supposed to do. And he let you know that size didn't matter because if you look at Bob, you say, okay, he's short, but his presence was felt. You know, I was just happy that I was on the right side because Bob come down and he, he'll give it to you. And it's no problem. Edge, it's been a minute or so, man. It's so great to get caught up with you and have this conversation long form and that you made time for me. I know you're out with your fellas doing some ATVing. Man, I appreciate you so much, Edge. Thank you so much for doing that. What a great conversation that was. All right, man. Thanks for having me, man. I understand how frustrating this might be, especially if you're in a hurry or you're running late to find yourself stuck at a railway crossing waiting on a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not there yet, you might even feel tempted to try to sneak across the tracks. Do not do it. Don't do it ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they actually are. They can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. 
over a mile to stop. And by that time, it's way too late, and the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is this. You can't know how quickly the train is going to arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it does see you, it will end in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you need to remember one thing. You need to stop. Trains can't. Huge thanks to Edge for taking a solid half hour to jump off the ATV and rap with me here. That was so good. That was awesome. Great to get caught up. Here's some of those legendary stories, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say when he gets to Canton. In the meantime, make sure that you are subscribed so you do not miss any future episodes. And if you've got a moment, go ahead, leave a review and a rating. It really helps a lot, and it's so appreciated. Next week, we are back with the all-important episode number 150. But until that milestone pod, here are your voicemails. First new message. Jim, hey, I don't think anyone ever got back with you on the post-seven-mile hike-run recovery routine. This is what I suggest. You grab that cold Heineken, you get in a shower. Start the shower off hot, sip that Heineken. It's like having a beer in Hawaii. Every sip, turn that shower down a little colder. And by the end of the beer, you have a cold shower that cools off the muscles, prevents swelling. Works for me every time. Bye. Message saved. Next message. Joe Vega. This is Joe Vega. I'm delivering some packages here in Huntington Beach listening to your show. I've been listening to you for, wow, 20 years. Can me going through some bad parts now listening to your show. Thanks for everything, Ben Smack. Wish I could call live and be uh, one of those top-notch callers that can drop a good line and get racked, but you're awesome, dude. Congratulations on the Hall of Fame, and I'll keep listening. I'm out of here, out of this world until you're gone, man. UPS all the way, baby. Message saved. Next message. Pimp in the box. What's up? This is Cabray from the Bay. I just called to tell you thank you for the jungle caramel. Caramel. Because you have my dog, Jason Verrett, on the show, and we go beat down the hoodie. And Cam, and once again, the tour stop in Oakland was the greatest of the worst tour stops you ever had. But the best tour stop you ever had was in Sacramento. The first one, not the second one. In that cow town. Peace out. One love, bro. Niner Empire. We coming back, baby. Yeah. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin, and Melbourne, man. I'm back in the gym getting my reps in on the voicemail. I mean, now I know what it's like to be an enforcer in the NHL. When you get calling up from the minors, you go out on your first shift and get knocked the hell out and get sent back to the minors before you can get on that plane. But I'll be back, Rome. I'll get more reps in, and I'll be ready. Guaranteed. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Romy, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. Now that the Dodgers have won the World Series, there's one thing we can guarantee. Matt from L.A. is going to be calling, and calling a lot. He's going to be calling during interviews when you have with Dodger players. He's going to be recapping every playoff game. Matt from L.A. is going to be taking over the show. This might not be the Jim Rome show anymore. It might become the Matt from L.A. show on CBS Sports Radio. Out. Message deleted. Next message. In the immortal words of Hacksaw, er, the butter knife, from Pacific Beach, to Mission Beach, to Poway, to San Isidro, to El Cajon, to Pacific Palisades, to Westminster, to Huntington Beach. React to me. The Dodgers has won the World Series. Ron, say, give me your reaction. Good night now.
God, I can't believe I'm saying this. As a Padres fan, at least it's an NL West win. Good for you. Congratulations. Peace out. Message saved. You have no more messages.